Hadassah, and I'm so excited to welcome you to Real Woman, Real Torah, a project of Bacheva Learning Center. We're here to offer you an authentic Torah learning experience, produced for women, by women. I hope you enjoy. If you'd like to follow along inside the text, you can find a fully vowelized PDF of the DAF at www.batshevalearningcenter.com slash DAF. Hi, everyone, and welcome to DAF Tazayan. Um, Devorah, you can dive right in. <laughs> okay, so we're going to pick up right on the bottom of Tesvav Amadez, where we left off last time, um, and we're in the midst of describing um, the process of preparing the water that the Saita needs to drink in order to verify her status. Um, and we're told the Pasuk tells us that we need to take a cup of water from the Kior. The Kayan takes a cup of water, an earthenware jug, from the Kior. And then they, the, he needs to take some dust from the floor of the Mishkan and put it inside. The Pasuk describes this process as follows. It says, So the Kaya needs to take holy water in a earthenware vessel. And from the dust that is there on the floor of the Mishkan. Okay, so that last phrase is what we're going to be focusing on moving forward in the Gemara. Min ha'afar asher bekarka ha'mishkan from the dust that is there on the floor of the Mishkan. We're going to be focusing on the seeming redundancy um, of the word yiyah, right? Seemingly, the pasuk could have just said min ha'afar asher bekarka ha'mishkan or umin ha'af, right? From the dust on the floor of the Mishkan or min ha'afar asher yiyah from the dust that there is, right? So, with that in mind. We'll dive right into the Gemara. We are on the third line from the bottom of Tesvav Amadbeth, third word from the end of the line, Tanya. So Tanya, we learn in a price. Tanya Ida, we learn in another price. Umin ha'afar asher Right, the Pesach says, from the um, dust that is, gata, etc. Malame shahayimitake mi bachutz, umachnes, Umachnes, right? So because it has that word asheria that there is, that tells us that the dust doesn't really necessarily need to be literally on the floor of the Mishkan. Perhaps you could just, you know, you could take dust from outside and bring it inside the Mishkan and that's good enough. So then the Pesach says, Bekarka Mishkan. So why does it then we say on the floor of the Mishkan? If we can take dust from anywhere, then why does it say on the floor of the Mishkan? So we have two opinions about this. Isi ben Yehuda Aymer, Isi ben Yehuda says, Lahavi karka shilai naiv givanu bisalamin. So that comes to teach us um, that in, this includes the dust of the Mishkan when it stood in Shilai, in Naiv, in Gibbon, and also the Beis HaMekdash, right? Not just meaning when this Pasuk was written, it was when the Mishkan was in the desert. So when it says a Sherbet Karka Mishkan, it says you could also have this dust and bring it into any Mishkan, wherever it may stand, and in the Beis HaMekdash. Isi ben Menachem, and where Isi Menachem says no, that I, he learned something else, he needs Omer, he needs Sarah. So Ethan Menachem says, 
no, that's not what the Pasuk is teaching us. I don't need a Pasuk to teach me that, you know, the Mishkan and Shiloh and Nob and the base of Mekdash, that the, the dust from that, from the Mishkan or the base of Mekdash is good enough to sink, to make the water fit. We have a Kalva Chimer that can teach us the same thing, right? We know that with regard to Tuma, right, um, when, when somebody is Tame, for whatever reason, they touched a dead body, right? They ate uh, one of the eight creeping animals, like a Sheritz, um, you know, whatever reason they're Tame, they are not allowed to enter the base Hamekdash. And this applies to the Mishkan and wherever it may be, and the Beis HaMekdash, right? And for that type of Tuma, uh, if a person does go into the Beis HaMekdash when they're Tame, they are high of um, Karis, right? But they're not high of Misa. They're high of Karis, you know, some sort of spiritual excision, um, but they're not high of Misa. But the Tumas Eishish Ish, Chamura, like Halshagain, the Tuma of an Eishish Ish, the, the impurity, right? It's using the word Tuma here in a borrowed sense, right? The sin of adultery uh, is much more severe. The sin of adultery is punished with death, right? So how much more so um, the base Hamikdash and and you know uh, and the Mishkan um, are 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 sensitive to that type of sin, right? So again, if if we know that the base Hamikdash and other places where the Mishkan is is holy enough and sensitive enough that someone with a you know just a standard Toma can't come inside, how much more so it's powerful enough, it's sensitive enough, if you will, to pick up on the impurity of the sin of adultery and punish the woman who drinks the water with the dust in it, right? So at any rate, Isti ben Menachem needs to find another explanation or another interpretation of the words Bakarka Mishkan. The words Bakarka Mishkan must be teaching us something. So if it's not teaching us that, what is it teaching us? So M K Ma Talmud Lomar Bakarka Mishkan. So if so, what are the words Bakarka Mishkan teach us? Shlo Yavi Mitoch Kupasto. It's teaching us that you cannot bring the dust. You cannot bring dust from outside the Mishkan in a box. Put it on the floor of the Mishkan and then pick it up. It needs to be um, dust, which is um, sorry. You can't bring it. You can you can bring it from outside and put it in a box, right? Let's say there's no dust on the floor of the base of Mekdash or the Mishkan for whatever reason. You can bring it from outside and bring it in a box. However, the Kaya needs to take the dust out of the box, put it on the floor of the Mishkan to fulfill that verse. It needs to be on the floor of the Mishkan and then pick it up. You cannot, as the beginning of our Bryce has said, you know, simply bring it in, in a box and be done with it. Okay. So a question was asked, and this question is going to keep us busy <laughs> for the next little while. Um, right, so interesting question. What if there's no dust around? Can you use ifer, ashes? Right? Um, I guess in English, this question sounds a little funny. <laughs> right? But, you know, but yeah, in Hebrew, afar and ifer are similar. And indeed, perhaps, you know, it's, it's a similar, um, you know, type of material. Um, and perhaps, you know, the Gemara thought that ashes could use, fulfill the same purpose as dust. I saw one of the commentators asking the question, like, what do you mean there's no dust anywhere? Like the whole Yerushan line, they couldn't find dust anywhere? Like, why, why would this even be a question, you know? Um, so it says that even, <laughs> even though you could technically bring it in from the outside, it's still better to have it on the floor of the Mishkan. Um, from the floor of the Mishkan. So that's why I guess this question comes up. 
Mm, and I guess there were plenty of ashes around because they were carbonized, so that right. for sure would be there. Right. So that's more, you know, might be easier to find. <laughs> mm, that's a good point. Right. Hope, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so, okay. So let's, what, you know, what's the law? Can we do this? So, Alima de Beishamai, look. So, for sure, according to Beishamai, um, you know, Lotobayalach, there's no question. The Amri, because we know that Beishamai say, Lomatino Efer Shakari Afar, right? Beishamai, we have a clear, Statement for Beishamai, they're like, nope, death, uh, ashes are not dust. End of story. But what about Beishel, Aliba de Beishel? Like, you know, Afar, Hacha Bakarka Mishkan, Ksiv, Odilma, Hai Bakarka Mishkan, look at Isi Ben Yehuda. Look at Isi Ben Yehuda, look at Isi Ben Menachem Hudas. Right? So according to Beishel, what's the Hacha? You know, on the one hand, you can say, um, on the one hand, you could say that, you know, we do find places in the Chumash where ashes are referred to as dust, right? We're going to see this later in the context of the paraduma. Um, for the paraduma, you needed to use the ashes of the paraduma and mix it with water. But we find that the Pasuk refers to ashes as afar, afar hapara, the dust of the hafer rather than ashes. So we do find, you know, this is actually a plausible thing that you know, dust and ashes can be interchangeable. Um, right. So, so what's the halakha here? So here, so perhaps you can say, you know, other places, you know, ashes might be referred to as dust, but here it specifically says the karka hamishka, right? On the floor of the mishka. So if, you know, only the only thing that's found on the floor generally, like organically from the ground is dust, right? So perhaps because it says Bakar Gamishka, that teaches us you have to have dust specifically, or maybe that's not what Bakar Gamishka teaches us at all. We learned before in the Bright said that Isi ben Yehuda and Isi, and Isi ben Menachem gave us two other things which Bakar Gamishka could be telling us, right? And, you know, if, if Bakar Gamishka is telling us that, you know, we need to put the, the dust on the ground, or it could be, even be from the base of Mekdash or another Mishkan, um, then, you know, this is something that's going to come up. Uh, this principle is something that's going to come up later. That generally we only learn one halacha from a given word or phrase or letter in a pasuk. Whenever there's an extra phrase or word, we're only going to learn one halacha. So if we all, if Isi ben Yehuda and Isi ben Menachem already learned something from this word, but Karkanishkan, we're not going to also learn something else, right? So perhaps we can say since Isi ben Yehuda, perhaps we agree with Isi ben Yehuda and Isi ben Menachem, and therefore we don't you know, derive this halakha, that it needs specifically be dust from the words Bakarka Hameshkan, right? So right now we don't know um, what the answer is. So, Toshma, right? So the Gemara is going to say, come and listen to this teaching, and perhaps this will help shed light on our question. So, so Rabbi Yochanan said in the name of Rabbi Yishmael, Bishlosha Mikomos Halacha Akebeth Mikra. There are three places where the halacha, the oral tradition of the Chachamim, uh, seems to contradict the um, the pasuk, the straightforward meaning of the pasuk. The Torah says that you need to cover the blood of a chaya when shechting a wild animal. You need to cover it with uh, dust. But the halacha is, it can be covered in anything which is similar to dust, right? It doesn't dafka need to be dust. 
Hatara Amra Batar, the Torah says that a Nazir may not shave with a razor. The halacha is that a Nazir can't shave with anything, even if it's with a scissor or a knife, any sharp object. Hatara Amra Sather, the Torah says that um, a man must give his wife a divorce in a scroll. The halacha is, is that you can write a divorce on anything. You could write a divorce on a tablet. You can scratch, you know, you could really be on anything that's attached from the ground. That doesn't need to be a scroll. Okay, so this is Rabbi Yishmael's grand list. He said, these are three places we do, the tar says one thing and we do another thing. And it's seemingly, that's it. So in Isa, and if, you know, we're to say that, um, you know, in the case of the Isha Saita, Although the Pesach says dust, we can use ashes, then that should have been on Rabbi Ishmael's list. Being that it's not on Rabbi Ishmael's list, that indicates that, that we need to take the Pesach literally and only use dust. The Gemara says, no. Who says that Rabbi Ishmael's list is exhaustive? Perhaps Tana Bashir. Maybe he taught a list of three things, but he left some stuff out. So this is a common pattern in Gemara, right? The, you know, the pattern is a pattern, sort of logical argument where the Gemara will say, oh, this Tana, you know, even though the Tana said these are the list of things, which, you know, X, he left some stuff out. And then the Gemara is going to say, well, it's a little fishy, you know, that convenient that we're going to say, oh, yeah, he left this one thing out that, you know, we want to prove is right. To really prove conclusively that this, that Rabbi, that, you know, Latana left some stuff out, we have to find something else which he left out, right? And if he left that other thing out, that will prove to us that this list is not exhaustive. And then he could have also left, you know, our thing out, right? So the government is going to say, Tana Bashir, Umai Shir, the high Shir, right? So you want to say that Rabbi Shmuel just left out? you know, the example of the offer of the site. tell me something else he left out to prove to me that, you know, he really, you know, wasn't trying to, um, wasn't trying to list every example. So Shire, he left out the example of a mitzvah, right? So what does that mean? What, in what aspect, what halacha with regards to the mitzvah do we seem to override or contradict the literal meaning of the Pesach? So Detanya on the seventh day after the Mitzvah is purified, or like, you know, free of Tzorah, he needs to shave all of his hair. Um, so, you know, I'm first going to read the whole Pasuk, um, and then and then I'm going to continue reading the Mara, just for clarity's sake. So the Pasuk is from Vayikra, Perak Yadalad. Uh, Pasuk test. So it says, it says on the seventh day, he needs to shave all his hair. You know, the hair on his head, the hair on his beard, and the hair on his eyebrows. And he should shave all of his hair. Right? So we see there's repetition in this Pasuk. First, the Pasuk says a general statement. It's called a claw. He needs to shave all of his head all the hair on his head then it gives us some specifics right it says he needs to share shave his his head hair his sorry first is general statement he needs to shave all his hair then it gives us specifics he needs to shave his head his beard his eyebrows and then again it says another general statement right he needs to shave all his hair um there you know some you might recognize this from the 
um, part in davening we say every day, Rabbi Shmuel has a famous list of 13 principles. Yud Gimel Midah Shatayr Nidrash Yisbahem. These are not universal, right? We're going to see later. Rabbi Akiva has another way, you know, of, of um, and, uh, you know, other t- principles which he uses. But Rabbi Shmuel famously teaches us the principle of Klal Prat Uklal, which applies to this very possible. Right. So let's go back into the Gemara and see how Rabbi Shema or, you know, how we would analyze this Pasuk according to the principle of Klal Uprat Uklal. When the Pasuk gives us a, ge- a general statement, details and a general statement again. OK, so back inside the Gemara. Right. So I'm going to start from the beginning of the Brisa, Detanya, the Brisa teaches. Right. It will be on the seventh day. Right. Right, so the Matsaira needs to shave all his head. Claw. That's a general statement. As prat. Now the fact it says his head, his beard, and his eyebrows, that's a specific detail. Right. So and shaving all then again, it says shave all his hair and his head. That goes back and states a general principle. Claw uprat uklaw. So we have a We have a rule. Whenever the tire gives us or Ishmael said, whenever the Torah gives us a general statement, then details. And then a general statement, it means you only apply the halacha to um, to things which are similar to the specific details, right? So what does that mean? It means, what are the specific details? You know, the hair of the head and the eyebrows and the beard. So you only, you don't have to shave all your hair. You only have to shave the hair that is similar to the prop that is similar to the hair on one's head, eyebrows, and beard. Okay, so what does that mean? Ma prop mafurash, ma game kinosar Right, so it means just like the hair on the head and beard and eyebrows is a place where the hair is gathered closely together, right, into a visible, you know, crop of hair. And it's, um, sorry, it's gathered closely together and it's visible. So, so too, any place in the body where there's a, collection of hair and it's visible um my rabbi so okay so what does that mean so my rabbi what are we adding what would we are we adding that we might not have normally added they're hard lion so uh the hair well it says for lion feet but that's a euphemism for the hair surrounding the genitalia so that hair is also you know gathered in one spot and it is on the surface of the body my meat what is this excluding so this excludes the hair underneath the armpit because that's not visible you know when a person's standing straight you can't see the hair underneath the armpit and the hair that's you know all over one's body you know on your legs or on your arms there's hair there but it's not gathered grouped in one spot okay so <laughs> that all that we said this is all the analysis of the of the words in the second right so by analyzing the words in the second the conclusion that we would come to is that you need to shave hair you know like on the head and the beard and eyebrows um, and in the general area but you would not need to shave the hair in the armpits or other parts of the body but the hill what's actually the halakha Kiglas, we're told in the Mishnah that he needs to be shaved like a pumpkin, which basically means his whole body needs to be smooth like a pumpkin. Every last hair needs to be shaved off. Ditna, we learn in the Mishnah. Balo lahakeh v'hazonasar ma'bir tar al right? So it said that when you come to, to you know, 
um, to like shave them, etc. You need to uh, pass a razor over his entire body. Ubisafan at the end of the mission, of a kind of at the end of the mission teaches us Right. And we said that um we said that uh at the end of the mission it says on the seventh day he needs to be shaved just like the first time, right? Um so sorry, I should have mentioned this before. The Mitsara actually saves twice on the first day after he's cleared and the seventh day. The beginning of the mission was talking about the first day that he needs to, you know shave all the hair in his body, and the mission teaches us on the seventh day, it's the same. So meaning, although our analysis of the psukim led us to believe only certain hair is shaved, the end result of the Mishnah teaches us that um, that all of the hair is shaved. Right, so this, the point of all that is this then could be something which is added on Rabbi Ishmael's list, and therefore there is something else that Rabbi Ishmael left out, and therefore it's plausible that Rabbi Ishmael also left out the example of using ashes in the site. Right, so this could be a great answer to our question, but Amar Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Rav Nachman Bar Yitzchak is going to, um, you know, not. <laughs> Let us answer our question so easily. So, one second, before we get into this, because yeah. there's a few things I want to say. So, so first of all, this whole idea of halachai um, keves mikra, right? That you can have a, a straightforward meaning of the pasuk, but we can have a tradition, like we can have a, like halacha l'mashimisina, basically, that um, that that tells us otherwise. Um, so, so there's just there's an interesting question that I saw brought up in the Acharenim, um, that I think sort of sheds a little bit more on this, uh, this, this whole principle in general. So one question they brought up is, is why is not the shear of Kazayas an example? So for example, the Torah says eating, right? There's mitzvahs connected to eating or isurim connected to eating, right? Like eating matzah, eating chametz, eating treif, right? Um, and the Torah just says eating, but we have this halacha mishkitin that says, oh, eating doesn't just mean any amount of eating. Eating means specifically a kazayas, right? You, could only, you really fulfill your obligation if you do a kazayas. Um, or you really, right? Um, so for example, we have this idea with chametz, right? That, you know, minhat taira, if you just look at the, you know, minhat taira, um, chametz is asr, any amount of chametz is asr. Um, but... But we, oh, but but you know, we have this tradition. We only, you know, someone's only punishable um, for it if they um, if they eat a kazayas, right? So that would seem to be another example of this idea, halachai kevus mikra, right? Um, so, so one answer given is that um, <coughs> is that um, th- that's not only an example of halachai kevus mikra because that that idea which the chachamim are saying that we're giving this this specific measure of kazayas is not, um, we're saying any amount is still usser, right? Or any amount is still, right? We're not, we're not, we're not like negating what the Torah says that, you know, just any amount that you, we're not negating the, the sort of straightforward meaning of the pasuk that any amount would be considered usser, let's say with chametz, right? We're just saying that you can't actually get punished for it, right? And the whole idea of, of punishments like malkais, right? That itself is not explicit in the Torah. So we're sort of adding on this extra thing, but we're not, it's not, it's not like um, contradicting what the Torah explicitly says, right? Um, which I just thought was like mm. an interesting way of understanding this, right? That we're, we're talking specifically, specifically when the halacha of that we have like, contradicts what the Torah seems to be saying. Um, and another idea which the Hassam Cipher said is that these three examples that, that, that um, or whatever, these examples that are given in the Gemara here are all examples of things where we have a consistent... Um, there's a definition that the Torah gives. That we I mean, sorry, there's a word that the Torah uses, and we have a consistent definition for that word across all of Torah, 
right? And then we have an example where like the tradition that we have tells us that in this specific context, it means something different than every other place in Tyra. That's specifically what we're talking about when we say halachai keves mikra. Um, but as opposed to here with the example of achila, with eating, um, this is a rule across the board, right? We have this tradition from, from the Chachamim that across the board, anytime we have the concept of achila in Tyra, it always means a kazayas. Right, that's like a general principle, which is across the board in Tyra. That's the way we, we, we interpret it anywhere. Um, so, so that's why it wouldn't be an example of this principle halachai kavusmiker because halachai kavusmiker means specifically when it explicitly contradicts the pas- the, the straightforward meaning of the pasuk, and when it's telling us it's sort of singling out this pasuk, the meaning of the word in this pasuk, when it, even though it might mean something different in any other context. Right. Mm. So I just thought wow. that was interesting, and then. We're going to, the part that you're about to read now, this next part, I just felt like it would just be helpful to just give a little introduction to this. Sort of, the, sort of like a, just sort of a, un, the underlying concepts that are coming up on this DAF, I actually think are very fundamental um, to understanding Tarshaval Pet in general. And that is that Tarshaval Pet has a few um, elements to it. So there's, there's, um, there's Tarshavik Sav, right, which is a, the text of the Torah itself, the text of the Psukim themselves. And that, um, Right, and then we have all of Tarshabal Peh. Tarshabal Peh means anything that is not explicitly written in the Torah, right? But within the context of Tarshabal Peh, we have different categories. Um, we have what's called there's there's the halachas that are interpreted from the psukim, right? Which we which we just started, right? You introduced this idea of the yud, you know, the thirteen principles of interpretation of how the psukim are interpreted. Um, and then we have and and then we have halachah um, which is that there are some some you know principles or rules that are just passed down by tradition. They're not necessarily sourced in in a pasuk. Um, they're just passed by uh, passed down through tradition. Um, and then we also have um, examples of derabanan, right? Things that are. I, I'm sorry, both of those things, right? Both the halacha mishmisinai and things that are interpreted from the psukim of the Torah are all da'iraisa. I think this is really important. Sometimes people get confused with this, right? Saying something is tarshal pet doesn't mean it's not da'iraisa. Something which is, it's still a biblical halacha, right? It's still, it's still, you know, what the Torah wants us to do on a biblical level. It's just that the way it's been transmitted is through oral tradition as opposed to um, written explicitly in the text. Um, and... And then we have another category of halacha, which is called derabanan. Derabanan means when the chachamim sort of the Torah gives the chachamim the authority to sort of add things on um, to the Torah. You know, there's obviously very specific guidelines for how and when they do this, um, but that's sort of what we call derabanan. Um, so yeah, that's what we're going to get into now. We're going to get into this discussion of derabanan, and then I guess I guess we'll read that part inside first, and then I'm going to I was just going to bring up a sort of a machlekes between. Um, Rambam and Ramban about this, about the Rabbanan and whether, okay, maybe read it first and then I'll get into it. <laughs> okay, well, this is exciting. I'm yeah. so excited to hear. Okay, yeah. so, um, yeah. So, so Reb Nachman Bar Yitzchak, Reb Nachman, just to bring us back a little bit into the Gemara, we just, you know, made this whole grand uh, analysis of the halachas of Mitzayar, and we concluded that the way that we would analyze the Pasuk through the Yogi Momidas and the way the actual halacha actually is in the Pesukim are, in the Mishnah, are different, right? And so that will be, that should have been something on Rabbi Yishmael's list. Since it's not on Rabbi Yishmael's list, that proves to us Rabbi Shmuel's list was not exhaustive. He wasn't including every single example of when the halacha differs from, you know, the straightforward reading or analysis of a pasuk. And therefore, it's entirely possible he left out the case of the Saita as well. Rabbi Nachman Bar Yitzchak is going to say, no, 
there was actually a very good reason why Ruby Small left out the example of the Mitzairah. The Mitzairah never belonged on that list to begin with. Why? Um, so Rabbi Yitzchak said when Rabbi Shmuel was making his list, he was only making his list um, based on our cases where the halakha seems to contradict the direct, literal, simple meaning of a pasuk. But here, the halakha, that the entire Mitzvah's body needs to be shaved, is uprooting a midra banan. Okay, so this is this is a uh, okay. So this is where the question keyword, comes in, right? Yeah. Okay, so this is the Durabana, right? Meaning, so we just read this whole long, you know, you know, interpretation based on this principle of klal pratu klal, right? Of how we know, um, of how we know how we can learn from the psukim, you know, which parts of the body need to be shaven, right? And we're saying here that that's a Durabanan, right? So there's actually this, uh, apparently there's a machlech between the Rambam and Ramban, where the Rambam says that any time, right, the 13, these 13 principles of, of, of interpretation of how the Chachamim interpret the Torah, which one of them is Klal, Pratu, Klal, um, any time the Chachamim are using those principles of interpretation to interpret the Pesukim of the Torah, the Rambam says, um, sometimes the Chachamim will tell us explicitly, this is a diraisa, right? We're using the, these principles to interpret the Pesukim, Um and to tell you what the psukim, what the actual Torah itself is telling you you need to do, right? But he says, that, the Ram says there can also be times when the Chacham are using these principles of interpretation as sort of like a way of, of deriving a new halacha that is actually derabanan, right? It's not necessarily Dairaisa. Um, So there can be times that these principles are used to derive a derabanan if the Chacham don't explicitly tell us that it's a Dairaisa. The Ramban disagrees. The Ramban says, no, anytime these 13 principles are used, it's always Dairaisa. Right, it, it, it means that the Chacham are telling us that they're using these principles, they're using principles that are given to us, you know, and to Maishan Har Sinai, um, to tell us what the Torah is telling us we need to do, right? So that seems to be a contradiction to our Gemara, right? Because what did our Gemara just say? I hope this is not too complex. Okay. Uh, but our Gemara just said, right, that, oh, you know, this example of the Mitzvah is not a good example because it's a Durabana. Right here, we're contradicting um, the, the tradition that we have. It's contradicting a Durabana, right? But what do you mean the Durabana? We just said it's derived through the 13 Midas, and according to the Ramban, at least, according to the Ramban, that would be okay. But according to the Ramban, at least, um, anything... Of course, derived- the Rambam, it, that would make a lot of sense because the Rambam said right. such halachas are from the Yogi Midas. But right. according to their Ramban, that seems to be very problematic. According exactly, to exactly. So there's so there's a few, few answers given. One, some uh, some answers are you know some sort of given answer that says that there's different versions of this Gemara. Actually, there's actually another version of this Gemara that it doesn't say the word Darabanan, but actually the, actually the Gemara Yerushalmi doesn't use the word Darabanan. Yerushalmi, when it has this discussion, it uses the word Midrash. Right, that it's a drash. It's it's not explicit. Meaning, it's not it's not like a the obvious explicit reading of the pasuk it's just like a drash it's something that you have to interpret through the yudgamomidas so it doesn't even use the word darabanan so there's so some say that you know Ramba, the ramban had a different version of the gemara which was similar to the yerushalmi um but but Actually, another, uh, the note here says that the the handwritten version of the gemara just has the word mem dalid resh and then uh and then a little oh like, wow so Mem Dalad Reish is the first three letters of the word Medrish and the first three letters of the word Medirabana. Oh, so interesting. So it's possible that it, you know, meant to say Medrish and then some, one of the editors just added the word 
there about it. Ah, yeah. Okay, that's that's that plot thickens. Okay, interesting. <laughs> um, okay, and then the the spots. Emish actually says something interesting, and he says, "Well, actually, you you don't necessarily even if it's even if the correct word was midrabanan, you don't have to read it that way. You could read the Gemara as saying that no, this whole thing, this whole interpretation we gave about cloud practical, that's not really how we know the salacha, right?" Um, it's actually it's, it's it's not saying that it's both derived through Yudah Mamidas and also a Durabana. It's saying it's not derived through Yudah Mamidas at all, and it's actually just a Durabana, right? Um, so that's actually be just a Durabana. So he, meaning Reb Nachum like is disagreeing and saying, uh, yeah, that you know, he's meaning he's not commenting directly on the Brisa. He's just saying exactly. that it's a Durabana. Yes, Very exactly. Yeah. Huh. So okay. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. <laughs> yeah. That was interesting. And, you know, I think that, yeah, I think it's it's good background because we are going to be talking quite a bit for the next, um, you know, amateur or so uh, regarding different methods of um, interpretation of the Pesukim. And so it's helpful to understand, you know, the sort of background and the significance of these, you know, of the halakhas that are the status of the halakhas that are derived in this way. Right. So... Important to note, by the way, that even though the Rambam says that these types of halachas are derabanan, you know, halachas that are derived from the Yud Gimel Midas are derabanan, the Rambam is also of the opinion that there's a deraisa mitzvah to listen to all derabanans. So, um, you know, either way, <laughs> it's right. It's binding. Anyways, okay. So, Rapapa Amar, Rapapa says, Kikachashiv. Halacha uh, Okeves Vokeres. So our Papa has another reason. He's like, he has another explanation for why Rabbi Yochanan actually was giving an exhaustive list. He gave all the examples of Halacha Okeres Mikra, um, but he didn't include Mitzara for another reason. Why? Meaning Rabbi Yochanan was only counting examples where the Halacha contradicts and uproots. Right? So for example, um, the, the Pasuk said, right, you may only, um, cover the Dom with dust, right? And the Tarshavuk Sab is like, well, no, that's not true. You can cover it with other things, right? So that's directly contradicting and negating seemingly that word in, in the Tara, uh, in the Pasuk. Whereas here it's, 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 um, conflicting, but it's actually just adding, to what the halacha says, right? To what the pasuk says. The pasuk says you should cut, you should cut off certain types of hair, and the halacha is saying, yeah, you should cut off. Agrees, you should cut off those certain types of hair, and it's simply adding some more categories of hair. Rav Ashi Amar Hamasni Samani. So Rav Ashi, so, so Rav Ashi is going to give us an entirely different explanation, which is going to also take us on another tangent through another method of darshaning. So just. Hold on to your seats. He is saying, actually, there's no conflict between the way we interpret the psukim through the Yogi Momidas and the halacha at all. Why? The Brisa that was talking about, that analyzed the psukim um, of the Mitzayra and told us that only certain types of hair need to be shaven, right? Only hair that's visible and collected in one spot. That was according to Hamani. What was that according to? Rabbi Yishmael. That mission was according to Rabbi, that Bryce was according to Rabbi Yishmael. The Darish Klali Opretti. Rabbi Yishmael believes that we should darshan the Psukim using the principles called Klali Opretti. 
his last man. Then there's another Mishnah, which tells us that the Mitzayra needs to, in practice, needs every single hair, right? Even hair that's not collected in one spot and visible needs to be shaven like a pumpkin. So who is that according to? Rabbi Akiva here. That's according to a different Tana. It's according to Rabbi Akiva. Right? So Rabbi Shmuel would agree that practical halacha is you should only shave hair that is visible and collected in one spot. The Mishnah, which tells us otherwise, that's simply according to another Tana. It's according to Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva believes in a different method of darshaning the psukim. Rabbi Akiva's um, method is called revoy and miut. Revoy. So the translations of the word sound the same. Revoy means an inclusion and a miut means an exclusion. But we're going to see the way his principle works is different than Rabbi Ishmael. Okay, so we're going to see how this revoy and miut works. So hold on tight. So the time, we learned in a brisa. You'll be on the seventh day. You'll shave all his hair. So that's called a rewind. That's a broad inclusionary statement. Right? He's so he needs to share, shave his hair, his um, beard, and his eyebrows. That's an exclusionary statement. A miot. That's called Shari Yigalea Kazavariba. Right? Then it says, you should, you should, again, you should shave all his hair. He went back and made a Reboy statement. Okay, so what's Rabbi Akiva's rule? Reba Umeye Uriba. When you have a Reboy, right? A broad, encompassing statement, a Miyot, an exclusionary statement, and then a Reboy again. Reba uh, Hakol, right? That means, so Rabbi Akiva believes that. That this pattern tells us that you need to include everything unless it is something that is um, extremely dissimilar to the pratim, to the details. Okay, so just to review the difference between Rabbi Akiva's method and Rabbi Shmal's method, just so this is clear, Rabbi Shmal believes in klal uprat uklal. Practically, what that means is that halakhically, we only apply the halakha. Two items, two things which are similar to the details. Okay, so the Pasuk list, head, eyebrows, beard, only hair, which is similar to the hair of the head, eyebrows, beard. Rabbi Akiva believes in um, Reboy Umi Ute, and so he believes that this pattern in the Pesukim is telling us that we include everything, right? We include everything unless it is very dis- dissimilar to the um, to the details in the psukim, meaning the default is we include everything unless it's something which is very, very, you know, um, you know, cannot be compared in any way to the details. So what does this mean, lahalaka? My riba riba kol. Riba Right, so according to this reading, we include the hair on the whole body. So what does it exclude? It only excludes it only excludes the hair that is inside the nose. So Rabbi Akiva is only excluding a very, very small portion of hair in the body. Um, but everything that's on the surface of the body must be shaven, which is the reasoning behind the Mishnah, which says the Mitzayra must be shaved smooth like a pumpkin. What a great uh, <laughs> analogy. Okay, so anyways, we just went on a long tangent. So now... 
<laughs> the Gemara is like, wait, Mahabala, what about our original question? <laughs> right? We were like spending all this time going back and forth. What about our original question? We just wanted to know whether you can put ashes in the site of water instead of dust, right? So we're like, okay, scratch, scratch all that. Let's try something new. Tausma, come and listen to this teaching. So Rakhunabarashi said, the name of Rav, that if there isn't dust, there's a simple solution. You could bring decomposed vegetables. Like you could bring vegetable compost, basically. And then you can sanctify the, you know, prepare the water. Um, so this is great. Great. This means that you don't just have to use dust. So then we say, no, recruit Yara Kudahava Afar. So we're like, yeah, well, vegetable compost is like, you know, that's really turns into something that is quite similar to dust. That is basically dust. But still, ashes are not dust. So our conclusion is we do not have a source which tells us that we are allowed to use ashes. Okay, so presumably... We don't know for sure, but pro- presumably not. Presumably, you cannot use ashes. Okay, <laughs> so now we're finished with requirement number, you know, this this requirement of the side that we need ashes, we need dust, sorry, uh, from the Mishkan. And then the Mishkan told us another requirement. You need to start before you go on. Devorah, yeah. just um, slightly off topic, but I just thought like it would be nice to bring this in here. Um, um, okay, so so the, just this idea of shaving hair, because I know we, we spoke about the Mitzara last time, you know, about the the you know the Mitzara, the Saras being a, a punishment for for Lashon Hara and um, and and sort of their, the the Mitzara being outside the camp is sort of like a way of you know helping them sort of distance themselves from the the negative behavior they were involved in. So, you know, here it brings in this whole idea of shaving the hair of the Matsara, um, which seems like sort of this like very bizarre, you know, procedure that, that the Matsara had to go through. Um, so I thought I would just bring in, there's there's a safer called Derek Matsuisecha by the Tzemach Sadek, which basically discusses sort of the mystical meaning behind um, many of the mitzvahs. Uh, one mitzvah that it talks about is actually the shaving of the Matsara, which you would think is like, what, what could you possibly, you know, what kind of, you know, spiritual meaning can you give to shaving hair? Um, and it actually discusses, and actually in that mimer also talks about lots of mitzvahs connected to hair, including hair covering for women, which is interesting. Um, but in, just very, very briefly, you know, hair mystically represents, you know, hair is a part of the body which is alive in some sense, right? It's growing, but it has this very, very limited life force in it, right? It's like the, 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 the life in the hair is very unsophistic- unsophisticated and limited. Um, and therefore, it sort of represents this idea of there being something that comes from a source of, ener- of energy or life that's very powerful and intense, but that energy has become very extremely limited and diluted. Um, and sort of in, in like a spiritual sense, this refers to, you know, you know, the way Hashem creates the world, Hashem sort of takes his, you know, infinite energy and limits it in this very um, diluted, limited way in order to, in order to actually, you know, give life and create the world. Um, and so, so that, that very limited, that, hair right? what hair represents is anytime you have this very very limited energy which becomes very vulnerable to being distorted or being because it's like the life in it is very um very diluted it becomes very susceptible to being distorted or misinterpreted so one of the analogies actually given in the mind which i think fits in really beautifully with this idea of the mitzaira you know 
being a punishment for for lashon hara is that one of the examples I gave is like for example when a person speaks um, when you when you you when you sort of talk like your small talk right like there's like words you say that express very deep ideas or feelings that you have and then there's just like small talk when you just sort of chat meaninglessly right and those words that you say when you're just sort of talking just saying meaningless things um you know it's coming from you but it's sort of this very like like it's not expressing you in a very deep way it's expressing in this very very limited diluted way and therefore it's very easy for those words to be misinterpreted or misjudged or like in this case even lead you to like very negative places like gossip right so like gossip is sort of like an example of when like your your small talk can kind of lead to, to, to like it's sort of vulnerable leading you to negative places um so that's sort of the symbolism of hair and it's a symbolism of shaving the mitzvah's hair so the mitzvah is a person who's like you know this this aspect of 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 that person right has become has become um their speech right in this case has become um distorted and misused and that's why it needs to be shaven they sort of need to like get rid of those that hair in like a symbolic sense um in order to like protect themselves from from being um from that expression of them being hijacked um by negativity um anyway so that's just like a just a brief summary of like a little bit of what what the meaning behind all this shaving of the hair is right we just had like a long halachic discussion about it but i thought i'd give it a little bit of insight into into what the meaning of it is that's great yeah no it's always great to you know bring some illumination into the uh you know I guess the, right, the, the structure, the, like, you know, I'd say, like, halatha, the negla part of Torah is, like, the body, right, it's the foundation, and then the chathidus sort of, it brings in the soul, and it kind of brings in some light and illuminates, I guess, what these, you know, some of what these halathas are, what, about. And what they're trying to, what they're about, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, so, back to <laughs> So, yeah, so, we're told, right, because they were back on, you know, test I and I'm at base around one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten lines from the top, um, the middle of the line, Kadesh year Elamai, right? So we're, we want the, um, the dust from the basement dust to be visible on the water. Tenorvana, so we're, we're taught, slice and streak and Shiyiru. There are three times where, Halakhically, halakhic context where we need something to be visible on the water. Afar saita, afar para, varekivama. Right, so the dust of the saita, the afar para, the the um the ash ashes of the para aduma need to be visible on the water, and the bit the avama needs to be visible. Right, when she spits at her um brother-in-law during the U of ceremony, she needs to have visible fiddle. Rishmael said, also the blood of the bird that the Mitzayra needs to slaughter. There is a, um, during the process of the purification of the Mitzayra, one of the steps is that a, a bird needs to be slaughtered um, and the blood needs to be mixed in to water, some spring water. Um, so my time at Rishmael, so from the fact that only Rabbi Shmuel adds this, that implies that the Chachamim, the majority opinion is, the blood of the bird of the Messiah does not need to be visible. Right? So how does Rabbi Shmuel know this? Right? So how does, what's the reasoning for Rabbi Shmuel? 
So like how do Israel know that this halacha is a requirement, right? So it says osam bidam hatsipor. Um you know what, maybe I'll just read the whole Pasuk here because that will be um, helpful in just understanding what the Gemara that comes next. So I'll just read it out loud. Um, so, so he takes this live bird, and he also takes the cedar wood and this scarlet thre- um, rope and this, um, this hyssop, uh, grass. And he should take this, all of these um, items, and a live bird and dip it into the blood of a bird that has been slaughtered on top of spring water. Right? So the words that we're going to be focusing on is the Tavel Otham, the Asatipur Achaya, Bidam Hatsipur, Al Hamayim Chaya. Right, so he needs he needs to uh, dip them in the blood, which is on which is on the spring water. Um, then we have another pasuk which says, um, The kain when he slaughters that bird, which needs to be you know a mix with the water, he needs to slaughter the bird over spring water. Okay, so we'll just keep that in mind as we move forward. So. <clears throat> So the Pasuk says, We have a Pasuk. Badam, the Pasuk says, Badam, you need to dip them in blood. Yachol badam So it could be you just need to dip it in blood and no spring water needs to be involved in the dipping. So that's why at the end of the Pasuk it says, um, Right? So, So, Okay, so maybe it should be water and not blood. Right, so the Pesach uses both words. It says you should dip it in blood, which is on water. So that means that you need to dip it in blood and water together. Right? So maybe Mayim should dam sleeper nicker So you need to bring water, which has the blood of the bird visible. Right? And then you fulfill both requirements. The uh, comma, how much is that? Uh, so that is a revius, right? We talked about this uh, another day. It's a fourth of a log, and it's about um, 3.5 ounces. So Verabanan, so we said that the majority opinion is not like Rabi Ishmael, and they don't require the blood to be visible. So what do they do with this pasuk? How do they interpret, how do they understand this pasuk? They must interpret the words in this pasuk differently. So Rabanan, hahula gufai. Um, the runner just saying yeah, when the Pesach says water and blood, it just means you need to dip it in a mixture of water and blood. It doesn't mean that the blood needs to be visible. Hashem is just telling you, the Pesach is telling you, dip it in water and blood. Who says the blood needs to be visible? So what would Rishmael answer to that? So he would say, Right? So okay, if all the Pesach wanted to say was you need a dip in a mixture of blood and water, it should have said, you should immerse in them, right? Um, why does it explicitly say dip it in blood and dip it in water? 
Lanikar, it must be teaching us that the blood must be recognizable in the water. Verabalan and Chachama would respond back, if the if, if the Pesach would have just said, I would have said that I can have one bowl of water and one bowl of blood separately and dip in each one separately. So the Pesach said Dam and Mayan separate, like specifically to teach you that you need to mix them together. Right. So the right. the But, it you know, there's Dam and Mayan isn't teaching you about um, that it needs to be. Visible. So Rabbi Shmuel. So we need to find another another source for Rabbi Shmuel. So Rabbi Shmuel, the Arban Krakarinixiv Vashapara Sipara Akas. So Rabbi Shmuel said, oh, "You want the? There's another pasuk which can teach us that principle. There's another pasuk which um, teaches us that we need to mix the water and the blood together. What is that pasuk? So the pasuk that I read before." The kind of needs to slaughter the bird um, into a vessel on top over the spring water. So if you're slaughtering a bird over spring water, clearly uh, some of the bird blood is going to, it's kind of a messy process. So that some of that blood is going to spill into the spring water. So clearly the Torah wants the two liquids to be mixed. So Rabbanan were like, yeah, if we just have that Pasuk, I would have said, that you should um, slaughter it very close to the vessel. And then you would like have to hold the veins of the, of the bird tightly so no blood would spill out and then quickly take the bird and make sure the blood drains only in another vessel right and so therefore the chachamim insist that the the um reason the pasuk says dam and mayim separately is to teach you that you do need to mix them together and therefore the chachamim see no need to interpret those words as telling us the halacha that the blood needs to be visible on top of the water okay <laughs> Um, so by me, Rabirvia. So Rabirvia asks a question. Rabirvia is um famous for asking very um extreme, like sort of unusual questions. Um, see this in multiple places in the Gemara. So Rabirvia said, Hey, wait, uh, he asked her, What if the bird is really, really big and there's so much blood in the bird that it completely like over like overpowers the water and there's like you can't even tell that there's water anymore what if it's like such a really tiny bird and so therefore you know you can't even see it you know because of the because of the um because of the because of the amount because of the amount of the water and the small amount of the blood so my what do you do what's the halacha sarah does not uh is not patient <laughs> with this question. Amrali said to him, Lava mina lacha, load tape up nafshik labar mahilkasa. Like, it's, I told you already, stop asking all of these like impractical questions, which like will never happen. Um, but Sipar Jarar Shirabana and Hakanim, you know, went out and they checked, you know, what the, how much blood the average um, 
bird has, right? And, you know, the standard bird in the wild, like you're just not going to have a bird, which is so big that it's going to completely overpower, you know, 3.5 ounces of water. You're not going to have a bird, which is so tiny. It's not going to have enough blood to be recognizable in that amount of water. Okay. Um, so now, now we talked about the fact that it needs to be visible. Um, and now we're going to talk about the order of the placing the water and the dust in a vessel, which needs to be first, placing the water or the dust. Now, the Pesach tells us clearly that the Kohen needs to fill up the cup with water first and then put dust on top of the water. But what if he didn't do that? What if he put the, the dust on top first? So what do we do? So Tanarabana picked him up for Lamaim, puzzle, right? So we have our stage is taught. The majority opinion is if you put dust first in the vessel and then put water in it, then it's puzzle. It cannot be used for the side Rabbi Shimon Machshir. So Rabbi Shimon said, it's kosher. My time is Rabbi Shimon. So what's Rabbi Shimon's reasoning? Where does he get that from? So Dick said he learns it from a Pasuk. So it says, this is the Pasuk in the context of a para aduma. It says he should take for the impure person from the dust of the burnt achatas, meaning the burnt para aduma, right? So it really, when you burn the para aduma, I mean, there's ashes, right? But it calls the ashes dust. But Tanya, we have a bright said, Wait, is it the dust of the Parazuma? It's really, it's ashes. So Rabbi Shimon says, The Kasa, the Pasuk changed the word. He used an unusual word. He didn't use the word that you should usually use in order to sort of like give us a hint that we should draw a parallel. Um, for to another pasuk which uses the same word, right? It's called Xira Sheva. And we learn a halakha from the fact that two psukim use the same word. Right? So namar khan afar, but namar lahalan afar. In the context of the paraduma, right, it says afar, dust. And also over there in the context of a saita, it says the word dust. Malahalan afar gabimaim, afkan afar gabimaim. Just like over here with the in the saita. Right, the mitzvah is to first put um, the water and then do the dust. So too with the paraduma. Ideally, you should be putting the water first and then the dust. Right, so that that's that's a halacha we learn from Saita, and we could learn that for paraduma, right? And we also learn a halacha from the context the, in the other direction, just like with the paraduma. Although ideally, you should put the water first. If you put the ashes first, it's still okay. So too, with the saita, ideally, you should put the water first, but if you put the dust first, it's still fine. Uh, right, so, Omala Halan, Afragabi Maim, Afkan Afragabi, I'm just trying to make sure I'm reading the great thought. Afragabi Maim. Ma Khan, Hiktim Afralamayim Kashar. Afrahalan, Hiktim Afralamayim Kashar. It's like over here with the Paraduma. If you put the dust first, it's fine, just, but also over there with the saita, putting the dust first is fine. Wait a second. How indeed do we know um, in the context of a paraduma, how do we know that with a paraduma, you can put the dust first and it's fine? Right? Like, how do we know that? So, Trey Cry CB, there are actually two second 
that are written with regard to the para adima. It says, um, one pasuk says, I'm just going to read the whole pasuk, even though the Gemara only quotes one word. So, right? So, it says the kind should take for the impure person the actions and put water on it. Right? So, it clearly says that, you know, ashes are there and you put water on it. Alma aferberisa. That implies the ashes are first. Uksib, another pasuk says, Mayim Chayim El Kali. Right, it says, um, but nothing all of Mayim Chayim El Kali. You should put the water into a vessel. Alma Mayim Beresha. So that implies that the water needs to be first. Hagkatesad. So how do we reconcile these two things? Ratz is that nice thing. Ratz is that nice thing. So really, either one is fine. If you want, you can put the water first. If you want, you can put the dust first. Verabanan El Kli Dafka. So the Chachamim, so what do the Chachamim say? How do the Chachamim, who say that you absolutely, under no circumstances, you cannot put the water, the dust first, how do they interpret this? They say, when it says you need to put the water in the vessel, that is meant literally. It means you need to put the water first into the vessel. But when it says you need to put the water on the ashes, it doesn't really mean on. It means that you need to mix it together. The aim of They were like, well, okay, you could have just as easily said the opposite. That Allah means you take that literally. That you literally need to put the water second on top of the ashes. And al into a vessel, you could interpret not literally. It means that you need to take it straight from the spring. You can't bring it into another vessel first, right? Um, so Mama Tinu Um So, so we have to say that the Chachamim just draw a parallel between all of their, you know, other areas in Halakha, just like in other areas, uh, like in the case of the Saita, the ingredient, the active ingredient, right, in the water activates the, uh, the holiness of the water by placing it from above. So to here, it places it from above. The Chachamim felt that this is just a general principle in all these similar areas that the active ingredient, right? So in this case, it's the ashes of the paraduma need to be placed from on top. That concludes Dr. Zion auto, like automatically and to, uh, on the dot. And tomorrow we will pick up with a new Mishnah on Dr. Zion. Thank you so much for listening.